This is Wolves Weekly with Mikey Burrows. Featuring the biggest names from past and present. All the teams, all the talking points. Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows and welcome to another episode of Wolves Weekly. I'm joined this week by the former Wolves defender Kevin Foley and the chair of Wolves women Jenny Wilkes. We'll look back on the defeat to Brighton and look ahead to what they might do to put things right against Aston Villa. Matt Murray gives us a unique perspective on conceding six goals as a keeper and we'll assess the journey the women's team have been on over the last 12 to 18 months. But first... Unfortunately, we have to look back on that big defeat at Brighton. Here's Kevin Fung. For me, it was out of character, and I've not seen a great deal of Wolves, but obviously I've seen enough to know they've been doing well. And to look at look at the results of the past month or so, and you think, it was it just one of those games? You know, I think they, they won three out of four leading into that. So you sort of think oh, it, it just wasn't a Wolves typical result and you just like to think that it's one way they go, you know what, we've got another game coming up. We've got to just, whatever's happened there, we've got to put it to the back of our minds and because there's still a few games to go for the rest of the season and you you always want to finish the season on a high. So the sooner that you can get over that result, the better. Have you ever had days where, because look, the first goal kind of summed it up for me a little bit where Veltman is meant to cross that high and has miskicked mm. it. It goes straight to Danny Welbeck, who miskicks it again in trying to back heel it goalwards, and it lands straight at his, his teammate Undav's feet. And there's not a lot Wolves could have done in that scenario, but it kind of set the tone for an afternoon where you're like, this really isn't going to go our way. Uh, 100%. Obviously, I have been involved in games like that. Um, the Man United game at home springs to mind. I think Ronald Zubai got sent off quite early on, and it just put us out of rhythm and we, we'd started the game quite well and we end up losing 5-0 and you, you just think everything that could have gone wrong that day did go wrong and it seems to be what happened the other day obviously a couple of errors trying to play out as well under under circumstances it's a tough one as a player a tough one for the fans we've all been there but listen it's 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 all about what the manager and the, the players can do now as a, as a, as a response to that Jenny, from a fan's perspective, you I know you weren't there on Saturday, but you've been to many, many games. From a fan's perspective, do you sometimes get a feeling in the stands where you're like, I can just see things going wrong today? I think it's, it's after the, that first goal goes in and you're like, oh no. But then you think that it'll be okay that we can come back from one goal down. But then, I don't know, they just the goals just kept coming in, didn't they? You, like you say, you do get to that point when it's, oh, it's just not going to be our day. I went to Leicester, actually. So I was in the stands for the Leicester game. And the away fans are always great, aren't they? They're absolutely great. But I suppose there comes a point where at Brighton, they did decide we'd be better on the beach. So off they went. And I can't blame them. I absolutely can't blame them. Well, do you know what was remarkable is is just how many stayed, I think, in, in the stands. There were... There were a lot who left, um, obviously, when the third went in and certainly when the fourth went in. 
people kind of didn't return back after half time. But actually, I was quite surprised at just how many did stay, Jenny, and then even kind of applauded the players at the end as they kind of came over and and held their hands up to apologise. And and that felt like an important thing to happen as well because it would have been very easy to kind of scurry off and, and get down the tunnel. But the players kind of fronted up to the supporters, which felt important mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it, from a player's point of view? Because Kevin, I suppose, yeah. us, the, I mean, the players aren't all thinking, you know, oh, I can't be bothered today, are they? They they no. they were making an effort, but then is it is it just like a load of things altogether that makes it all go wrong? I think it is. It's a mix of Brighton, you know, and you're looking at the team sheet, you're thinking, oh, they're resting a few. Yeah, it's going to be our day. But then actually, the players that come in have brilliant games and they lift Brighton, you know, because since the semi-final, they've been on a bit of a slump, but they've actually had the opposite effect. They've lifted them. And it's one of them. It's like, there wasn't one Wolves player out there that wasn't trying their best or it just too many off days, too many off days. But it's great to hear that the fans, you know, at the end and the players went over because it's not like this has been happening week in, week out, week in, week out. The fans will know that, all right, it's one of them days and we can either hammer them here and now, which I'm sure that they've got every right to, or by the sounds of it, the majority are like, you know what, it's, it's been a it's been a good solid season again. We're going to say, all right, it was a bad bad game, but we're going to thank the players for their efforts, and they've come over. Every single player will know that it wasn't good enough, but that is football, isn't it? That's why we all love football. We, you just don't know what you're going to get in week in, week in week out. Although you think you do, you just don't, and. Wolves will go again next week against Aston Villa, I'm sure, and we'll we'll have a great response. I'm 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 sure of that. There was just a real irony, I thought, in terms of that was the stadium where Roger Johnson threw his shirt into the crowd after relegation, and the crowd threw it back. And, <laughs> and to to then yeah. have have a, a a heavy defeat like that, and have um, I think there were some dissenting voices in the away end. I'm sure there were. In fact, yeah, I'm sure. Had, had reports from some of our staff who were around there that there was some stuff said during the game. But at the end of it, um, I say Ruben Neves led most of the players over to apologise. There's a couple of interesting things I wanted to talk to you, Kevin Foley, specifically about from your coaching background now, because um, mm. it, it felt very much that Brighton have a, a a really interesting way of playing where and what what caused, in my view, what caused Wolves problems? It was interesting that Julian Lopetegui held his hands up after the game and took responsibility for it. That the front two they had of Undav and Welbeck were dropping off the Wolves' defence into that space between the midfield and defence, and you could visibly see, and especially when Lamina went to play as well, part of a back three slash five, Wolves didn't know whether to go with them or not, and every time yeah. they then did, it of course left a big gap. And it was the fullbacks. It was Estupanan who was making that run through, and then yeah. Ciso from the left that caused Wolves problems. How difficult is that to actually kind of change mid-game to try and get a grip of? Because you don't know whether it's your midfielders or your defenders. Yeah. Do they go? Do they stay? If they stay, they back away. The player gets time to turn. It just felt like people didn't really know how to stop it in yeah. the heat of the moment throughout my whole career as a player and then going into coaching it's the one thing where 99% of center backs that I've played with hate coming out of that comfortable zone at the back you know when players drop in it's like oh I don't want to go in there because I'm going to but sometimes when you do go in there you leave space behind you correctly as you said and obviously Brighton picked up on that 
if you then get a midfielder to drop in into that space, you, you're getting outnumbered further up the pitch, then you can't get pressure on the ball up there. So it's always a numbers game. And it sounds like Wolves just didn't, didn't deal with that. And yeah, it is really hard sometimes on a pitch. I'm sure the manager will have people up in the stand feeding back to him because when you're down low, it's sometimes it's not easy to see. Uh, but I'm sure he's got his staff that's helping him with that. But look, it, it's easy for any coach afterwards to to say that and look back on the game and and, and say that it, what the really tough thing is to do it at the time and fix it at the time and the top managers are able to do that and look he's a greatly experienced manager and even him coming out and saying things like that he's open to all right maybe I got it wrong look we'll look at it that's why he's he's had the jobs that he's has and he's had the success that he's had um, he's he's willing to look back and say. Next time, if this happens, we'll, we'll change it. So it's great to hear from from a coach maybe taking a bit of responsibility as well. Because mm. Jenny on that, um, he he made a point, and I think it's worth reiterating that point here on Wolves Weekly, that um, we had a terrible day, right? It was a bad day on it's the South day. Coast. Yeah, but the work that they've done in the last four months and where they've come from in terms of being cut adrift towards the bottom of the table to be pretty much safe i mean there's still kind of a little bit of looking over the shoulder until you kind of get to 40 but they might have enough already hopefully they've got enough already but to even be in that position there's been an immense amount of hard work that's gone in over the last few months absolutely and he's been working with not necessarily all his choice of players hasn't he he's just come in to try and make it work and do what he can in the short term and hopefully then we'll we'll see a whole new Julian Lopetegui's team next season. And he, he, like you say, in that short term, we were bottom, weren't we? We were bottom and we were going down. So something different needed to happen and it's happened and he has turned it round. And you, you've just got to be able to draw a line under Saturday, haven't you? And say, OK, let's go again. And you need the players to be able to do that as well. That's the thing. There's so much psychological psycho, psychology, isn't there, in football? And it's what's happening in their brains. And on Saturday, the psychology was, this isn't our day and it's never going to work. And then the goals just kept coming in. Now they need to go, right, that's it. That's it. We've done that. Draw a line and start again against Villa and see what we can do. One of the um, things that I have is um, Jenny will be aware of kind of just the amount of prep that goes into preparing for commentaries and, and media work. And I have um, a list of all of our kind of every the last time we had each result since the Second World War. And I have that in my book for every single game. And it's a good job it stopped at six because we haven't actually conceded more than six since the Second World War. So I didn't actually have it in my book as to how far back it was since we last conceded seven. Obviously, the last time we conceded and lost 6-0 away, uh, Kev Foley was around the team, but we yeah. have to point out Foles in the team at Chelsea that day. Yeah, that's correct. Um, it was a cup game away. I think, obviously, Stoller was Stoller Solbeck and was in, uh, the manager, and he, he changed the team quite a bit. And I do remember, I, I was on the bench, and you, you look in, I think Asper Laquette was coming through at the time, and you're like, who's this kid? Like, he's brilliant. Brilliant. They had a few brilliant young players and they were just knocking it around. And I think at 6-0, and I think Stoller was a Chelsea fan, and 6-0, he just sort of turned around and I was right behind him and he just said, um, Kevin, do you want to come on now? Just with a cheeky, like, as if, but we've just been. 
And I was just looked at him and he just sort of, what can you do? He just sort of went, you know. Uh, Shrugged the uh, shoulders. Yeah, it was like, Kevin, you ready to come on? As if I didn't want to go on at six now. I think there was a couple of minutes left. Um, but yeah, it was a tough, tough, tough game. You know, I know it wasn't a league game, still a cup game. You you, you don't want to lose. Um, you, you just don't want to lose. And by that much, and you could see it in the manager, um, Wolves manager the other day, he, he looked like he was fuming as well on the sideline. Saturday's defeat at Brighton was unfortunately something of a bit of a record breaker. The last time Wolves had conceded six goals was against Chelsea in a League Cup tie in 2012. The last time in the league you have to go back to a famous home defeat to Southampton in 2007. Matt Murray was in goal that day. Well, firstly, thank you for reminding me. Um, I was doing Sky and I'm there and I've got a Brighton cameraman. And I remember when I was down in Brighton, I let four in. So that I know about that one. And then, um, but I'll never forget that Southampton game where we let six in at Molyneux. And it's really weird. I ended up getting golden glove that season. So actually we had a good defence and obviously kept the most clean sheets in the league. So it was a bit surreal really because I had a German pen pal called Torsten Zabieski. Him and his sister Maren had come over. I'd sorted drivers for them. You know, feeling good and playing well. They got in contact with me. I remember their chauffeur pulling up that I'd organised for them. So I'm right there, there. Go in, do my warm-up as usual, all my usual routine. Beautiful weather down at Molyneux. We had kites, I think Boffroy and all that playing, Breeny. And it just felt like everything went wrong that afternoon. And I can't remember how many were down at halftime, but a good few down. And uh, like an own goal where I've gone to cut out a cross, it's come off me, hit Breeny, gone in. I got chipped by Saganowski. Uh, I think Andrew Sermon ended up scoring past one me in the scoring one past me in the second half that he reminded me about when he signed at Wolves. And in that first half, when I was down in front of the North Bank, to the right is where all the family and friends and all that sat. And I could just see my pen pal. And I was looking, thinking, wow, he must be thinking, one, is I don't want to say I know him. He's rubbish. And he must have been lying about all these clean sheets and that. So, look, it was a tough, tough afternoon. Surreal. We missed a penalty. They won 6 0. And I'm sure Bartov Biakowski, the still at Millwall now, went to Ipswich, was man of the match. It's just a crazy game. And we've done well that season. We had a young team. But how do you feel as well? One, it just feels weird. And two, you just think, come on, just end. Blow the whistle, get me off. The Wolves fans are brilliant. We're going to win 6-5. And then it went 6-0. We're going to win 7-6. And yeah, just a really, really strange afternoon. We obviously got to the playoffs that year. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just a weird one. Because because we got a standing ovation off the fans. I think that was the strangest bit that we got battered 6-0. Even though it didn't feel like a battering because we had some chances. And we got a stand innovation. How did you change anything afterwards? So at half time, I had some new gloves for that game. Half time, those gloves went in the bin. So not that they'd really worn because I didn't get my hand on anything, um, but it just felt like one of them. So I got rid of the gloves. Um, and no, Mick just spoke to us and just said, it's one of those days. It's just a freak afternoon. <clears throat> You'll never have that again in your career. He actually haven't played badly at big moments, say like the penalty and this and that, or, you know, some of their finishes are really good, uncharacteristic errors from us. 
they weren't even great that season, you know. Um, but I'm sure they did the double over us because I remember you losing down at St Mary's on a night game, and uh, yeah, just one of them. So I think there was little spells in that season. A lot of the time I did okay. I said I ended up was fortunate enough to get Player of the Year in that. But there's times when things weren't quite going for us, and Mick just said, "Look," he said it to me, and he said it to the group, like you've done well all season, so. When you have a few blips, don't suddenly stop eating carbs or don't suddenly stop, you know, go out more or go out less. Because when you won five in a row, whatever, you're doing all that stuff. So these things happen. And he was really good like that mix. So he never like catastrophized anything, looked through it, reflected, and then just put it to bed and moved on. And that's the great thing about especially the championship. The games come thick and fast. So before you know it, you've got another chance to put it right. Have you ever watched that game back in nope. its entirety? Nope, never watched it back. Never want to watch it back. And the only reminder I've had of, about it, apart from this, is um, so I've got my girlfriend, Natalie, and I took her away, I think, for her 40th birthday. And we went and stayed in the most remote place ever in Norfolk. So in this remote place, it was... I think it was the wedding of Harry and Meghan. Okay, I can remember her stopping and wanting to watch some of that. I think it was something like that anyway. So, did that be right about five, four, five years ago? Yeah. Nearly five years ago, yeah. So we had that. Um, anyway, so we're driving, all this play, stop a few times, get to this beautiful place, really remote, go for a nice meal, spa and that. The next day, across the road in this little say remote places at Jack Wills nice little sale on there so I think I'll go in and get a few items for my dad and my stepdad anyway the geezer's behind the counter now and he's looking at me a bit and I'm thinking you know what is this do I look a bit shifty you don't get many big ugly people like me in this area and he's gone off he said mate I got to ask you I recognise your voice and I, you look familiar are you the former Wolves goalkeeper I said, oh, yeah, yeah. So I only just got with Natalie. So she's like, all right, everywhere you go, you get recognised sort of thing. He says, do you know what? He said, you gave me the best day of my life. And I think, all right, playoff final, something like that. He said, I'm a Southampton fan. <laughs> my first ever away trip. Oh, yeah, go on. And you beat us 6-0 and it's never got better than that. He's going, oh, yeah, yeah. And you want to talk about it? Natalie literally could not stop laughing. I said, do you want me to put all this gear back or am I going to buy it? I said, you've absolutely ruined me there. So, yeah, so when I least expected it, I thought it was well in the, you know, parked in the archives, if you like. It got brought up by about a, probably a 17-year-old lad or whatever at the time. Who, that was his first ever away trip. And, uh, yeah, he loved it. And he knew I was in goal that day. I mean, I love, obviously, that you can laugh about it now and and obviously other things happened in the career and, and in life. But... If you were in that dressing room now, if you were still around the training ground day in, day out, what do you think you'd be saying to not just Jose Sarr, but to the squad in general? Because it, it's Villa coming up yeah. as the next game and, and you know how important that is. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember that night that it happened to us. I had to take these people out for food. I did not want to eat. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to eat. It was just horrendous. And, um, you know, that's the most ever letting as a professional. So for the... For the Wolves boys, I think it's probably a wake-up call um, because 
the manner of their defeat wasn't good either. Do you know what I mean? Though, so not not they can ever have a good six 0 but as I say, we got a standing ovation. We actually played pretty well that afternoon. The boys went at it. You know, you look at their performance against Palace, Chelsea, all those things. How has that happened? Do you know what I mean? That's it's but you know, Brighton made changes and so it was a real wake up call. You know, you could see Lopetegui was hurt and he made change at half time. You know what I mean? All those things. So but what I would say is yeah, as much as it hurt for Jose, you'll look at it and think, you know, I think not the actual goals that they went in, but the the pass he plays and, and stuff like that. Um for one of the goals late on and we get caught. Um, you know, he'll be disappointed with that part. But at the same time, he's been outstanding with some of the saves he's made in the games earlier. Was it Brentford, um, Palace, as I say? He's made a few big, big saves. So, you know, this happens. Um, a few of the other lads have been outstanding. So I think they'll reflect on it, look at it. Um, imagine there'll be a few changes from the manager, but they will know that if they go and put a performance in against Aston Villa that they're capable of and go and beat Villa, then that's a big pride for the you know, for the fans, for the, you know, for the area. Um, big, you know, that will guarantee, I think we're safe, but that will guarantee safety. Um, and the fans will soon forget about about that Brighton 6 nil. as much as it hurt. But if they go and put in and show that commitment, that fight, you know, that running, I always remember that first game away under Lopetegui, Julian Lopetegui, that one at Everton. That's that's what it was about, you know what I mean? And that's what the Wolves fans love. So they go and, look, if they win the game, that's the best. But as long as they go and put in a real, real shift and fight, then that will be a long, go a long way towards putting it right. But it was, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't believe my ears when I when I heard it was going one, two, three, four, you know, all the way to six was, uh, yeah, it was scary. So on a disappointing weekend for Wolves across the age groups, really. In the under-18s, they finished their season with a 2-1 defeat at Middlesbrough, a goal for Tom Adozzi in that one. It means James McPike's team finished 11th in under-18 Premier League North. The under-21s had a pretty remarkable game at Manchester City, away at the Champions to finish their campaign. They found themselves quite a way behind. They managed a bit of a comeback, a couple of goals for Nathan Fraser, again continuing his good form. There was also a penalty save from Parmian and Bjornsson. But in the end, they were on the wrong side of a seven-goal thriller, beaten by four goals to three. It means they have a nervous wait to find out whether they will survive in Premier League 2 Division 1 for this season. The two sides immediately below them, West Ham and Spurs, face each other this coming weekend. Hopefully, Wolves have done enough, but it will be a nervous watch for James Collins and his squad. The one part of Wolves that did win this weekend were Wolves women. Their 3-0 results at Brighouse were the end to the campaign, though not enough to ensure that they would be back-to-back champions. Though second is still a remarkable achievement. Here's the Wolves women chair Jenny Wilkes with how she felt 24 hours on. So we could have won the league yesterday, but it wasn't really very likely. So I think we were all in the mind space that uh, if we were going to win the league, we we should have done it in other games, in other games earlier on in the season when we when we did have the chance to win. You know, quite a few. We had a draw against Derby recently. Couldn't score any goals. Draw against Stoke. So you know, we had had our chances. 
So yesterday, it very much wasn't in our hands and we expected Nottingham Forest to beat Stoke and they did. We finished second, but just on goal difference. So the same points as Nottingham Forest in the Northern Division. So 54 points each, but different goal difference. So we finished. Yeah. And, yeah. It was, it was about 19 goals, wasn't it, in the end? So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it's not yeah. as if it was, not as if you needed one more or two more to to kind of turn it around. No. It would have taken something unbelievable. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, we would have had to score about 20 goals. That's right, to, uh, yeah, to, to, to close the gap. But we, you know, if, if, if they had, um, if they'd drawn, if Forrest had drawn, we would have won the title. It is what it is, isn't it? And, you know, Forrest still have to go on to the, the playoff game that we had to play last season against the winners of the Southern Division. So they're not they're not promoted yet. So that's that's another thing, isn't it? So we'll see. But the good news is this week, Mikey, that the league, of, the FA have announced that the playoff game will be going next season. There won't be a playoff next season. You're already thinking ahead to next season. Well, that's it, isn't it? Got to go again. But it's it's so hard, isn't it? I mean, last season for the girls, after they'd, they'd won their division, but then to lose the playoff and then to go again for a whole brand new season. It's it's a massive ask, isn't it? It is. It's a massive ask. Um, and that they, they drew the first game, which is a way to Liverpool third last season. And I think some of that was that thing of, oh, you know, here we go again. You, you, it's, it's like we were saying about psychology. You just kind of have the mindset that, you're starting off afresh, and of course there are going to be you know new teams in there next season. With Starbridge are coming up, they they've won the the fourth tier, so they're going to be coming up into our division. So you know there'll be new challenges, and quite likely Newcastle. It's looking like they're going to be coming up, and they're throwing quite a bit of money at the women's team, as you can imagine. Interesting to see, but, but you know we've got we've got a massive game next week. We've got the County Cup final to look forward to. So it's not the season done yet, and we, we've had a great season, you know. To finish as runners up, you've got to say we've had a great season. We're in the County Cup final against Starbridge, who are the winners of the fourth tier. We're the runners up of the third tier. It's at Molyneux. It's going to be a great game. So hopefully we're going to get lots of Wolves fans to come down to uh, support us. Part of the reason I wanted to get you on this, Jenny, is to is to talk a little bit for people about the evolution of, of where Wolves women are going. Because this was a big season, not just for what they achieved on the field, but... You made the move to Telford and you've had big crowds there. There was a record crowd at Molyneux with, we know, first team men's players turning up to watch. Yeah. The the And then obviously even in the last couple of weeks with the 300 club and the fact there are three women's names on that board for eternity. This is, the, despite the fact they've missed out on the title, there's a huge amount that's gone on for taking Wolves Wien forward this year. Absolutely. I think that's the really important thing. I think I've been chair of Wolves Women since 1999. And when I first took over Wolves, um, the, the women wasn't part of the, of the men's club at all. Uh, so the only link was that we had the name um, of the club and Wolves were letting us use the name of the club. And I think Wolves were giving a, a few hundred quid a, a year to the women to try and help them. But it, we were, you know, it was it was a separate entity, and there was there's been lots and lots of work behind the scenes over the years to bring the two together, um, like gr- a gradual uh, move over with the um, first of all the youth teams joining the community trust as it was then, what's now the foundation, and then the seniors or becoming part of Wolves. But the real 
big difference has come in the last three seasons since um, it, it's really gelled together as one club and uh, moving the women into the academy, so away from the foundation into the academy, which happened at the start of last season, is what, what's made all the difference. And it's the thing about equal opportunities for females as males. So all the girls uh, throughout the club from the younger age groups all the way through are in the academy and get exactly the same experiences as the boys and that you're using the same facilities and the same for the for the women you know like when we had when we have games like on a Sunday and a, and a Tuesday like we had recently after the game they're in the cryo chamber using the facilities they're using the gym it's uh, and they've got brilliant medical support as well from uh, from wolf staff and that is something that we've never had before and that's what's made the difference and i think there are lots of men's clubs now who are supporting their women's sides by putting money in but it's not the same as the support we've got from wolves it's not the same because they're not part of the club in the same way do you know what I mean yeah. it's all very well saying oh yeah here's a load of money get on with it but actually saying right here you are you are part of the club you are the female section of the club and the, like you say the 300 board putting three of the Wolves women players as members of the 300 club on that board it's just it, it speaks volumes doesn't it about the important part that women play in the club and that, that's just so it's brilliant to see that and how different it is since since we first started it's been a long journey but we're we're really getting there now i was going to say how do you feel about it because part of the thing that always amused me about going to wolves women games was to watch you as the chair making squash drinks and all sorts and doing the washing up during the game because you would spend you'd very rarely would be out watching you would be in the room and it would be literally right behind where i'd be sat and i'd hear this kind of noise and turn around and you're trying to keep yourself busy your hands on in the most ridiculous way of doing all these jobs and stuff and that but you are the chair of, of a really amazing growing i mean you look at the fan base and the young supporters there it is unreal what has happened in the last couple of years really it is unreal. That is true, actually. There was a window where I was doing the washing up, so I could see the game. But, yeah, but I'm sat in front of it. You can't look past me. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. And uh, um, we are. It is. It's a massive difference. A massive difference. And like I say, even over these last couple of three years. So that was when we were at Castlecroft. Uh, the move to Telford has made a really big difference because that's much more professional. It's more professional setup. It's you know, it's a brilliant pitch. The facilities that the girls have is incredible it, it has made such a big difference so so my role now is i don't do the washing up now mikey you'll be very pleased to know that's <laughs> <laughs> really good um i mean i'm still very involved mainly in the media side of things and in the program and that sort of thing but you know it's not my responsibility anymore like it was in the old days to find the money and to you know to book the coaches and to get the kit and all the rest of it like it used to be so you know we are very much part of the club so it, it, it's changed massively and that, that has made such a difference. And the pride, because, you know, you've followed Wolves men and women for a long time to to have... Uh, there was a um, a lovely post the other day I saw on social media where talk obviously about the three women who, who were on that 300 club board and talking about, and I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, um, and I know you won't like it, but the recognition that, that should come your way because without you a lot of this wouldn't be there 
Oh, well, it's, yeah, I don't know if I hadn't been there. I don't know what would have happened. I don't know. It was John Richards who asked me to get involved because he was saying, the, you know, the club's going to disappear if somebody doesn't get involved in do something. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd like to think that Wolves would have taken it upon themselves to do something about women's football, you know, as it developed, I think. But it, it has been good for us that we've, We've been involved that long. I think we have integrated well into the club, but a lot of it is about who's in charge at Wolves and and how they want to make things work. I think, and at the moment, it's it's a really good time. So, yeah, it's it's much better. It's much better than it was. Uh, I I knew I was going to get that because I know how humble and modest you are on this. Um, I will finish for you with the. Uh, Okay, so a question that people have about what happens next, because I know the players um, will be uh, disappointed that they didn't match up what happened last year. As you mentioned, they've got a county cup final to come, and then and then the summer and and kind of what happens for Wolves women this summer, Jenny. Well, it's a massive job for uh, Jenna and Maka over the summer to work out what's happening with the team for next season. Obviously. Uh, I mean, that's the side of it. I don't get involved in the team. Um, obviously, we're going to need more support from Wolves. And now we're really lucky that we have that support financially in terms of, you know, the marketing team and the ones going out there finding us sponsors and that sort of thing. But, you know, I appreciate there's a lot going on behind the scenes for the men this summer as well. There's a lot to be done. There's a big job to be done. So um, it'll be interesting, won't it, to see. And like I say, with all these different clubs coming in, it's not going to be easy next season either. It's going to be a big challenge, but I'd like to think that we will be ready for it. And I think the fans have played such a massive part this season since we've been at Telford. The attendances have grown incredibly. We've got lots more support. I mean, even this weekend, um, playing that game at Brig House, there were so many families there of Wolves fans. It was just brilliant to see. There were loads of people who made the journey all the way to Brick House with, with little girls in their Wolves women's shirts. It, it, it's just amazing. And I think those fans getting behind us and supporting us is really helping as well. So with the club, the players, the fans, I just like to think that we can, you know, go again next season. It, it's a bit like the men against the Villa, isn't it? Draw a line under it now and go again. Go again against the Villa for the men and go again next season for the women. That's what we've we've got to do. Let's talk about Villa this coming weekend. Um, Kevin Foley, is there a, a good or bad time to have a local derby following on from a result like Wolves had at Brighton? Because you know there has to be a response, right? The players will be aware there has to be a response. Yeah, is the added pressure of a derby helpful, or or does it or does it? I think it's more fear into you. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Like the players will know they'll have to respond. So, so they'll be thinking about that. The manager knows the fans will be expecting a response up against the Villa team who are, have been incredible of late. Um, I should know because I'm surrounded by Villa fans where I live. It's uh, they don't stop telling me about it. My boys, my boys football team, every player in the team is a Villa fan. So there'll be a bit riding on this at the weekend for me. I think it's a great time to play them. Look, let, let's try and stop Villa in their tracks. Why not? You know, people have struggled against them. They've, they look very well organised. Unai Emery's got them 
really well oiled and I think it's going to be a great game for the neutral but I'm, I'm expecting a big response from the Wolves players I think naturally they're going to want to give that and they're going to want to turn up at Molyneux and show the fans that that wasn't normal this is this is what our reaction is going to be Feels like Jenny that first 10 minutes of the Villa game because the atmosphere is going to be bubbling you've seen yeah. loads of these games that first 10 minutes is really crucial isn't it to to make sure we don't concede, to set the tone for the afternoon and, and to make sure the crowd stay with them. Absolutely. And we were saying about the away fans, weren't we? The away fans are more forgiving, aren't they, than home fans. Um, but you're at Molyneux and you can get a great atmosphere at Molyneux. And haven't we been do, doing well at Molyneux? We, you know, our wins have come there. We, we've, we've just, I don't know, we, we seem to really gal- galvanise the fans, I think, at Molyneux. So we need to build on that, don't we, and say, OK, here we are. We're back at home now. Let's move on and let's put in a really good performance for the fans. That's what we want. Let's hope they can do it. Kevin, from a coaching perspective, uh, I was asking this question to Tomo after the game on Saturday. How many changes do you make in, in this kind of circumstance? Because there are there'll be players, right, who will want to, to prove to themselves, to prove to the coaches, because there'll be a lot of fans who question now the futures of some players and, and with a new coach in there. So this is a real opportunity. If you're a player, you're like, I want to be in the team. I want to put it right. I want to prove my worth. If you're on the bench and you're looking at that, you're thinking, right, I'm going to get my chance now and I'll need to take my chance. So there's there's that added incentive of players coming in from the cold and playing and saying, this is why I should be playing. Although it's a team sport, at times it can be individual because I'm fighting for the other right back to be the first starting right back. And if the team slips up, I, I want to go in there and, and show that I can stay in there. So there'll be that going through players' minds. There'll be players that have played and not done themselves justice in that game, thinking, I hope I stay in the team because I want to fix what, what went wrong there. I don't, I don't want to be pulled out of the team. Being a manager is the toughest job. He's got to pick the team and pick the team up and pick the starting eleven to go again. And there's going to be some disappointed players, I'm sure, that think they should be playing in the next game that won't be playing. Well, you've been uh, an assistant, you've been a coach um, around a number of different places now, both in America and in the UK, um, in different circumstances as well, obviously. It's not necessarily what's the the head coach's job, because the head coach tends to be somewhat separate. So it's down to people like you and and in your time, TC, Terry Connor and the like, to kind of go around and be that um, the, the public face of the coaching staff to the players in, in these circumstances. Yeah. So. So what's that role like? What will Pablo Sanz and the others be doing? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's always to try and be positive, to be positive around the lads and not be too serious when things aren't going right because there'll be pla- there'll be people, there'll be the manager, there'll be someone else that has got that serious thing to organise. But if everyone on the coaching staff is really serious and we've lost 6-0 and it's like, oh, no, you, I, I'd like to think I'd stay consistent and, and be quite positive and be around the lads and it's, not always about football, football, football. It could be something else about personal life or what's going on, how are your kids, things like that. And just trying to keep a smile on people's faces. Yeah, I'm sure he's got enough people there that will be trying to pick the lads up. And they will have built relationships over this season because they've done well. There'll be good relationship throughout all the coaching staffs and the players that they'll know, come on, lads, we, we, we'll we go again, pull our sleeves up, bit of recovery, build up towards the Villa game. And Jenny, you and I have seen enough matches to know that things can change quite quickly, can't they? And there is nothing better than a derby victory in some circumstances. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the thing, isn't it? Just 
we're just scoring a goal would make a massive difference, wouldn't it, at the moment? And just to get that positive energy back, if we could start well, if we could score, just imagine if we could score at Molyneux and start well and get the crowd behind us. And, and, and it does, it changes the atmosphere, doesn't it? And rather than going behind and feeling really bad about it, then you're feeling really good about yourselves and that's what we want. But you know, like there, there have been some amazing uh, derby victories in recent times, um, and the feeling that it gives you is is lasting, isn't it? Like it, it is, as Foles says, you know, there is pride, local pride, to play for. It affects people in in very different ways, and uh, everything that went on um, at the Amex Community Stadium can be forgotten if they beat Villa this weekend. Yeah, that's right, actually. That's right. You do, people forget quickly, don't they? If you get a win and if it's a new story to tell and something that we've done, and like you say, local derbies, okay, we don't get the Albion very often. Well, Wolves Wolves women do, but not the men. Um, But yeah, just to to win a local derby would be amazing. I mean, you know, even if we can give them a good game, I think the, the fans understand, don't they? They just want to see the players making an effort and they want to see us doing well. I mean, okay, if we could get a a draw even but I, I like to think that we would be going for the win and try and see if we can just get on back on the on the right foot that's what we want to do isn't it and show that we we really want to do it yeah I, I think that's key as well I think where, where you say the fans want to see the players give an effort and I've always found that and it's the body language okay it's a misplaced pass it's a all right, yeah, sorry, I'll get the next one. And you run back. It's it's the fans can can relate to, to to players that will do that. Yeah, there'll be mistakes, but if they see the efforts going in, that's what I always found playing at Molyneux, then on the whole, they'll always they'll always back you, the fans. Thanks for listening to the all-new Wolves Weekly from Wolves Radio. Don't forget to give us a follow at Wolves across social media. And all the very latest is at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app.